choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. It's one we are willing to postpone. And one we need to win. Here's a ground ball right side. Could do it. The What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Brian Lalima, joined with Apollo Dez. Follow us on Twitter at blima790, at ApolloDez1, and of course, at ApolloHOU. It is Memorial Day weekend. Thank you to those that have served, that will continue to serve, and that have lost their lives for our freedom. A big thank you from Myself, and I'm sure Apollo Dez uh, can, can come in with the same sentiment. Just first and foremost, we're recording this on Memorial Day. Uh, we take, you know, Dez, you and I took a couple days off with the long Memorial Day weekend, uh, and we've got a lot to cover. Obviously, the Astros have played series against the Dodgers, the Padres, and now they're in a current series against the Red Sox. So here in segment one, we will recap the Dodgers series, which was a two-game set back on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the series against the Padres, which was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. So let's start with, uh, obviously, the heated rivalry that is now uh, between the Dodgers and the Astros. Des, you went to both games. I went to the Wednesday night edition. Uh, it was really a tale of two games. Um, night and day in game one compared to game two. Game two, the Astros got smacked around. They lost nine to two. And then they come back and they play a well-rounded baseball game and beat the Dodgers five to two. They beat Tyler Bauer. Obviously, Clayton Kershaw pitched a gem. And well, let's face it, the Astros bullpen couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They walked like eight guys when Zach Grinke started that game and he only walked one. Or no, I think he walked, I'm sorry. He walked three. The bullpen walked six. That's for the total of nine. But either way, let's get right into it. The Dodgers series. Tuesday night, you were there. How was the atmosphere compared to what it was on Wednesday night? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, starting it off, we had a, a informal, impromptu watch pregame party, bar crawl, uh, before going to the game at Pitch 25. Uh, shout out to Pitch. They, they love us. We love them. They always take care of us when we're there. And uh, got to see a lot of people. Uh, the Astros fans came out. The Dodgers fans traveled. We met some great Dodgers people um, over that little mini series. And that uh, it was just a great vibe. And the biggest thing about it was it felt like October. It felt like a World Series game. It felt like a playoff game. And yeah, it was 100% capacity for the first time all season. And it showed. And honestly, it was probably 70-30 because the Dodger. Uh, faithful traveled quite well. I have to tip my cap to them. And that first night, it was electric. Uh, Grinky Kershaw in the first three innings went by in about 25 minutes, essentially. Uh, both shoving and uh, Kershaw was just on that day. And so um, as the game developed and it spiraled out of control due to walks from the bullpen and the Dodgers just piling it on on us, uh, it turned into a Dodger home game, which sucked. It was sad to see, but... Um, Splitting the series was always the goal. We talked about it on our podcast uh, the episode before. Hey, we'll take a split any day of the week. And uh, that's what we did. But for Tuesday night, it was awesome until it wasn't. 
and um, I'm just glad to be back in the stadium with 100% capacity. I mean, Brian, you were there Wednesday, but Tuesday walking in the stadium and you're you were jam packed in, in like sardines, and it was just it finally felt normal after months and months of not being normal at all. And so, um, it was great. It, it, I loved it. I, I loved every single second of it. I wanted to soak in. I wanted to be there. I wanted to spend the night there. That's how great it was. So uh, at the end of the day, that Tuesday night game was great until it wasn't. Yeah. When it comes to the Dodgers, look, you said it. Tip of the cap. Uh, you got to give it to the Dodger faithful, whether they were T-shirt fans, uh, bandwagon fans, true fans, whatever, whatever the case may be. They showed out. So I have to unfortunately give it to the Dodgers faithful for for coming out. I posted a, a video that I got sent uh, by a buddy that was down in downtown Houston about an hour before game one, where a massive crowd of Dodgers fans were parading their way to Minute Maid Park. Uh, and, and it was a loud crowd by the Dodger faithful. Uh, the Wednesday night game obviously was a little bit different. They won five to two. Uh, we saw Jose Altuve lead the game off with a home run uh, in the bottom of the first. And then we saw home runs from Carlos Correa, Aledmus Diaz. That atmosphere atmosphere for me was the closest thing to October uh, that I felt since game seven of the 2019 uh, World Series, which, which I was at when obviously the Astros lost and the Nationals won the World Series. But that's the closest thing. And it was an amazing feeling. Also, Wednesday night before the game, we went back to pitch 25. And we were there for a little uh, pregame party. So again, shout out to Pitch 25 for always accommodating Apollo and everybody that follows us. Uh, and obviously the Dodger fans. I got to meet a couple of the Dodger fans that you met the night before. Very good people. Uh, good followers on Twitter. It was it was good times, good vibes. Walking over it, it honestly, it really did feel like October. There was a lot of people making their way to Minute Maid Park. It was hot out um, for the first time in a while. I think prior to that, we hadn't seen the sun in like six days because it had rained the yeah. entire week leading up to that. And then when you get into the ballpark, you can just feel it, it that it was different. It was just some kind of electricity that was flowing uh, inside of Minute Maid Park. And then obviously, the team came and came and showed up the next night. I don't know if it was because it was against Tyler Bauer. I don't know what the, what the deal was, or they were just, you know, maybe, maybe Dusty Baker went in and ripped someone's ass and they finally got a little fire under him, but they came out and they played well. So... Yeah, they split one and one. That's fine. Des, you and I talked about it. Like you mentioned earlier, 500 baseball. So what? The Dodgers are a really good team. They've got a stacked lineup and they've still got a couple guys that are injured, just like the Astros. So uh, it was good to see them turn around, forget the Tuesday game, because Tuesday, the Tuesday night game where they lost nine to two and they walked every single Dodger hitter, it seemed like that's an embarrassing loss. And for them to turn around in such, such a short time, and come back and play good baseball, that show, that's a true testament to the veterans on that Astros team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you get Kershaw Bauer, I mean, obviously that's uh, no disrespect to Walker Buehler, who's, you know, coming into his own as a, as a, as a real ace, but uh, Kersh Daddy, who's been a, a consummate pro, he's a, a future Hall of Famer, finally got his World Series, even though it might have been a Mickey Mouse ring, finally got something that has eluded him his entire career. He's still a Hall of Famer at the end of the day. And then you have, uh, the lovable asshole of Tyler Bauer and um, the kid shoves, L love him, hate him. I, I don't. The guy shoves yeah, he, when he steps on the mound. I he's mean, got at good the end stuff. Of the day, 
He's got, he's good got stuff. an arsenal. He has four plus pitches, uh, a fifth one. You couldn't even say plus as well. Uh, kid's elite. He's a fucking asshole. But you know what? At the end of the day, he shoves. And that's what you want. You don't have to be best friends with everyone on the team. And so with him stepping on the rubber game too, and us jumping all over him early and often, it was a great sight to see. Uh, obviously, it didn't really equate to runs early on, but we chased him out of the game. And we got a little of what we wanted. It wasn't Joe Kelly, but we got the Carlos Carrera home run off Bauer into the Crawford boxes, uh, I believe, in the sixth inning. And uh, to chase him out of the game and put us up effectively for the rest of that game. So uh, that was really cool to see. And then, uh, honestly, <laughs> to wrap it all up, right? In stepped Albert Pujols with a chance to oh, tie yeah. the game. Like, uh, we can't shake this guy. We no. I, I literally posted a Thanos um, post when he, when he got DFA'd, unfortunately, by the Angels. I was like, now I can rest. Like, finally, after all these years of my life, I could rest. That I would have to face Albert Pujols. He signs with the Dodgers next week. He's in Houston. And he was stepping up to the plate in a 2-1 count. Uh, actually, 1-2 count. And... Um, with a one swing away from tying the ball game up. And I just was like, this is it. He's going to do it. It's, it's inevitable. He's going to do it. And somehow Brian Abreu yeah. strikes out Albert pools. I still have no idea how he did it on a backup cement mix slider because if he hangs it over the plate. That ball's gone. The ball just kind of came back on, uh, Abreu's hand a bit. and It worked out perfectly. So, uh, that was a perfect way to wrap up that series. Um, I'm looking forward to going out there with you, Brian, uh, to Chavez ravine and, uh, bringing the Apollo, the Apollo flag and maybe, maybe planning it on the field. I don't know. Just... Yeah. With uh, Albert Pujols stepping into the box in that situation, I think all of Houston held their collective breath. I, oh, I mean, it's, it's like, you've got, you know, the, uh, the Chihuahua meme with the, uh, the, the war flashback, you know, that's oh, been yeah, yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that that's basically the entire city of Houston and, and Astros fans worldwide, pretty much uh, because everyone knew what was essentially coming, right? You know, you thought back to 2005, he hits the monster bomb off of Brad Lidge. Uh, it wins the game, uh, essentially, uh, eventually wins the game for the Cardinals that year. Um, it didn't win the series, but it, it extended uh, the A or sorry, the NLCS. And then he steps in the other night against Brian Abreu. A lot of people were wondering why the hell is Brian Abreu in the game and not Ryan Presley. Uh, but Presley had some issues with his neck that night. And Brian Abreu was able to, to chop down the monster that is Albert Pujols. I'm in the Crawford boxes and I'm I've got my phone out filming because I'm waiting for him to do it. I literally oh, yeah. thought he was going to do it. I really did. I was like, you got to be shitting me. This is going to this is deja vu all over again. But instead, here I am live in a game in May that feels like October. And Albert Pujols is about to stab us in the heart. Yeah, and he, I was, and luckily I was right he did. You. I was right behind you yeah. uh, pacing around. And I was, you know, from the, the, the fifth inning meetup at St. Arnold's where Astros Twitter meets up. And obviously it was just a collective party, essentially. But I was just sitting there on my own in the corner. And and I was like, guys, Albert Pools is up. Albert Pools is about to end this, tie this game up back in Houston after he's done this for fucking 20 years. And I was just sitting alone. And it was just, it was the most stressful May game in my entire life. But luckily, he didn't do it. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, my goodness. That would have been awful if he would have done it. But Brian Abreu got him to strike out. Uh, Albert Pujols, that game, he came in as a pinch hitter, and he was 0 for 2 with two strikeouts. So thank, thank God. Uh, as the Dodgers leave Minute Maid Park, in comes the San Diego Padres. Slam Diego. They're a damn good team. 
And they came in and they took two out of three from the Astros. And if you look back at this series, it could go two ways. The Astros were close to getting swept or the Astros were close to sweeping the Dodgers. They had a shot either way to get swept or be swept. In the Friday night game, they lose in 11. In the Saturday night game, they lose in 12. And obviously, then they win the Sunday afternoon game 7-4. to four. Was Zach Greinke going eight strong innings, just absolutely dealing, mowing guys down. But the Friday and Saturday night games, I think between the two games, the Astros left on 30 runners. It's somewhere around 30. They left on so many guys. Yeah, and obviously the bullpen is a big issue. Taylor Jones and, and it, look, do you want to talk about baseball IQ real quick, or do you want to save that for like let's, you know, let's a couple save, minutes? Let's say that for the end of this. Oh my goodness! Because okay. uh, that first night, I know. Look, everyone listening, the bullpen, the bullpen, the bullpen. I get it. I get it. I'm not here. I'm not here to rationalize it. I'm not here to be the bullpen's hero. But that first night was on the offense. It, it, it was on the offense. You can't, you can't waste what you had Friday night, and all the pitchers stepping up and and not executing and and winning that ball game. Um, Friday night, Friday night they left on fifteen. Yeah, as an 15. offense, you left you left fifteen on. You got to look in the mirror. You got to step up. You got to man up and play. Hey, that's on us. It's not on the guys. I know it's a quick, easy punching bag to do, but it was on the offense. They. They were Saturday, o- though. Friday night, they were 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. God. 0 for 10. Look, you can't do that against a team like the Padres. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is the punching bag for the Astros right now the bullpen? Absolutely. 100%. But on Friday night, if you have 15 men on base, 10 of them in scoring position, shit, man, you, you score five, you score 50% of those runs. Who knows what the game ends up? It doesn't end up 10 to 3. It could end up easily eight to three on the flip side. Cause at one point it was three to three going into the 11th. So you score, you, you knock in 30% of those runs. You knock in three guys, the Astros get out of there. 30%. That's it. That's not on the, I'm sorry. It's not on the bullpen. Look, you can't Fra- leave guys on base. Framber and Val and Javier went eight strong. They piggybacked it. Framber was back. Finally, the guy who we all thought was dead. We uh, rose from the dead. He's back. We thought he was out for the year. Goes four innings, four strikeouts, two walks. Looked phenomenal. Looked phenomenal. Javier, who got demoted to the pin, who's a Cy Young candidate, but I'm I'm twisted in turn because Big Brain Death said before the season that Javier's ceiling is uh, the bridge guy in the bullpen who's going to eat innings and be a superstar that way. And then I was also like, hey, Javier is capable of winning the Cy Young. So now that he's taken out of the freaking rotation from having a Cy Young year, he's going to a role that he's going to be a stud at. It sucks because I hate, hate seeing him not being utilized. Whatever. That's a different thing. Yeah. They went eight strong. And like you said, it's all, Friday night was all the offense. 0 for 10 with runner scoring position, left, leaving 15 guys on. The score says 10 to 3, but we had bases loaded with Altuve up to win the ball game in the extra innings, and we don't get it done, and then the Padres end up scoring seven and and. And that's just, it's, that's the frustrating thing. And that's why we're getting on this tangent right now is because that first game, we had so many opportunities to win. It was on the offense and not on the pin or the staff. And we didn't get it done. And the final score looks terrible. It looks absolutely awful. It looks awful. But it shouldn't even have been that way. We should have, we should have won. 
Saturday, yeah. though. Yeah, let's um, let's look at Saturday. Then it's like, okay, uh, all right, the bullpen. Yeah. Okay, the bullpen. Definitely the pin. Like, I so, can't, yeah. It's the bullpen. You're not going to... Mm, you can't sit here and justify uh, that performance. So they, they lose in 12, uh, 11 to 8. And obviously, the obvious thing here is... Taylor Jones misses an easy pop-up that was in, in foul ground, and people lost their collective minds on the timeline. Okay, here's where some baseball IQ comes into play. At that moment, should Taylor Jones have made that catch? Absolutely. 100%. Let's talk about two hitters prior to that. Manny Machado is up with two outs. Ryan Presley walks him on four straight pitches that weren't even remotely close to the strike zone. So if anybody were to come and say, oh, well, maybe he was, for some reason, unintentionally, intentionally walking him to get to the left-handed guy. I forgot. I, I, I'm trying to look at, uh, let's see, uh, Cronworth. Except Cronworth is hitting right around 300 and was uh, already one for three on the night. Or I'm sorry, one for two on the night with two walks. Then no, that's not that wasn't it. Two out walks and leadoff walks are absolutely killers. They are inning killers. They, they set you back as a defense and as a pitching staff. So Ryan Presley walks Manny Machado on four straight pitches. He gives up a single to Cronworth. That extends the inning. And look who comes up next. Fernando Tatis Jr. And the kid is unbelievable. The kid He's is an absolute dude. superstar. We talked about Shohei Otani being a superstar. Fernando Tatis is the face of baseball. With him, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, uh, and then you could probably even make a, a case for Ronald Acuna Jr. With those four, baseball is in good hands. Baseball in Major League and in, in, in MLB, they are in great hands with those four. Just those oh, yeah. four. Look. And Fern Fernando Tatis does what Fernando Tatis does. He hits tanks, and he got a pitch. He got a fastball or a cutter or whatever it was that stayed over the heart of the plate, and he put it on the train tracks. He pimped it. So what? It's in the bottom of the or top of the ninth. He just tied the damn game. What? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been mad if he would have thrown the bat into the stands in celebration. It was. I, I sit here and, as an unbiased national media journalist, um, what Fernando Tatis Jr. did was probably the coolest shit I've ever seen on a baseball field. I, look, I'm he, all, I, I'm with it. He hit, look, I, I tweeted about it and I'll say this story. Uh, when we were growing up, uh, I went to a, a premier high school in the state of Texas. Um, we used to do this out called, uh, oh. at that time, 21 outs. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly a power. In college, we did it as well. It was 27 outs because we played nine innings in high school. Yep. You play seven. Uh, coach hits Fungo. You know, he hits it to everyone. You try to get 21 outs without making an error. That's the name of the game. Uh, it doesn't matter how long a practice could be 15, 20 minutes, or it could be three hours if you're just having a shitty day on the field with everyone. Uh, but our coach was notorious of if you made a pop up, it was a pop up drop, something in foul territory that should have been an out and wasn't, he would then grab a ball. And as I was a catcher, I would, he was like, Des, give me a ball. I flip him a ball. He's like, he'd always yell, This is what the next fucking guy is going to do. And he hits, throws the ball and hits the fungo. And a lot of the times he'd miss and then he'd yell at me to give him another ball and I give him a ball and then he hit an infield pop-up and he'd yell at me again to get a ball. And then he would finally connect with this fungo and hit it out of the park. 
And then he would yell at the first baseman or the third baseman who dropped the ball or myself at catching in foul territory and be like, that's what the next fucking guy does when you don't make a fucking play in foul territory. That's what will happen. And all I could think of when Taylor Jones fell to the ground, yep. stumbled over himself, was old coach Kent Metter old yelling coach at Metter. me, yelling at me and ripping me a new asshole and saying, this is what the next guy does. And the next pitch, the next pitch, Tatis hits a ball. 500 million feet. And hello, Elon Musk. It went past your Tesla in space. It's in orbit. And he stood there and watched it. And it was the coolest thing. And then he took his sweet ass time around in the bases. And I love that little stutter step he does around third around base. Third, is, yeah. Dude, I, it's so smooth. I, yeah. I would think I would trip over myself if I had to try that. And Tatis just owned us this series. He absolutely owned us. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's continuing his hot pace right now. He hit an oppo taco bomb against the Cubs on Memorial Day. And he did the trot around the bases and the stutter step around third base because the kid is unfreaking believable. And when you talk about the, the 27 outs, we did 27 outs in college. Coach Mesker would rip into us if we made errors. If you made an error, we started over. We went back to the first inning. So like you said, yeah. that, get, that drill can, can either take 20 minutes or it can take three and a half hours. And we yeah. stayed on the field. It yeah. didn't matter. You make an error, you go, you start. Right. It's almost like knockout. You go back to zero and you oh, have yeah. to get those outs go. all over again. Yeah, and that drill goes, it, it doesn't matter what level you start it. You can play uh, little league. You can play select baseball, high school, all the way up to the big leagues. Taylor Jones had an opportunity to cut that inning. He let it, he extended the inning by not catching that foul ball. Ryan Presley throws a meatball to, to Tatis and he, and he sends it into orbit. Okay, then they go into extra innings and they just couldn't get it done. Just couldn't get it done. The thing so, that upset me the most, hey, and look, kudos to me, Jake Odorizzi. We have to mention it. Five and a third, three hits, one run, one walk, four strikeouts, and his first appearance off the IL. Look, I'm a big Jake Odorizzi guy. I'm not going to sit here and, and beat my beat on my chest. It's been well documented. Well, well documented well, that I'm a big well Jake Odorizzi guy. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and slap my back and say, good job, Des, because you were right. Uh, but we're still going to work. <laughs> Me and Oda Rizzi are just going to go to work. Uh, but the bullpen, terrible, bad. Uh, the one thing that upset me the most, and I was talking with some great baseball minds about this, people plugged in into the game, into Major League Baseball. Uh, there, was a, there was a sequence, and we'll talk about baseball IQ, and I don't want to throw our guy Dusty under the bus because we're Dusty guys. Big Dusty guys. But we have to mention this scenario. Uh, Correa is up. He gets a double to tie the game. We tie the game up. He's on second base and no outs. He is the winning run. We do not bunt yeah. in this situation. We don't bunt. Um, let me see who was up after Correa. Diaz got on. So Jones was up to bat. Jones ends up grounding into a double play. Um, and two outs. Correa moved to third and then got stranded. So in this situation here, this is what really pisses me off. They don't bunt to win because that next inning, we bunted to tie the game. So when the inning flipped over, we ended up doing a sacrifice bunt to move the runner up to get that guy in to tie the game. So the sequence is there. The philosophy is there. We just didn't choose to do it or we just forgot. We fell asleep at the wheel. Because if you come up with Correa and Diaz, right? Jones, you get the bunt down. Obviously, he has to get the bunt down. Jones gets the bunt down. 
That forces second and third, right? One out. Winning runs on third. Diaz means nothing at second base. So as a San Diego Padre, if I'm in that dugout, I'm intentionally walking Miles Straw. I maybe, maybe throw a pitch to see if he chases and try to get himself out. And he might. He might do that. But in a vacuum, you walk Miles Straw to make sure you have a double play set up. Because now in steps Garrett Stubbs that has to get a hit. Or he gets a ground ball, double play, you're out of the inning. You have to think through this a little bit more, Dusty, or, or a spotter, or whoever's calling the shots in there. It, it falls on the crown, and that is Dusty. If you force their hand, that forces Jose Altuve into the on-deck circle with one out, and they have to pitch to Stubbs. Even if Stubbs strikes out, pops up, whatever, doesn't win the ballgame, Jose Altuve comes up to win the ball game again in that situation. Instead, Jones hits into a double play, Straw gets out, then Stubbs leads off that following inning, and then Altuve's coming up with at least maybe one out or someone on base. So that was the really frustrating thing because, okay, they didn't bunt to win the game, but they bunt to tie the game the inning later, and it, it didn't make any sense uh, for me philosophy or... It, or anything with baseball IQ. And I think that's uh, a blunder from someone in the dugout. Yeah, I think let's, let's take, a, a take a step back to the, the beginning process of that whole thing. So you look at Correa, Diaz get on, right? No outs, Taylor Jones comes up. Let's say he does get the bunt down, moves the guys over second and third. And let's say the Padres decide to pitch to Miles Straw. Like you said, they could either uh, throw a couple pitches to him, see if he chases. You could do the unintentional, intentional walk. But then, uh, during this series, pitcher, the pitcher, pitching staff for the Padres and whoever was behind the plate for the Padres, they had a couple of pass balls and wild pitches in that series. One yeah. of them tied the game in extra innings. I can't remember if it was Friday night or Saturday afternoon. It was Saturday. That was, right, that was right. right after the inning that we didn't bunt to win. We bunted to tie. And they got bailed out by yeah. that pass ball. By the pass ball. So, excuse me, so, it's like the first time I hit puberty. So, So, if you get the bunt down, there's a couple of things that could happen. You put pressure on the defense. You put pressure on whoever was in for the Padres on the mound. Second and third, one out, that's not an easy situation, right? So there's pressure added. Whether you pitch to Miles Straw or you walk him, the stakes are a lot higher. Why would you not do that? Why would you not bunt Taylor Jones to get guys on second and third? Because who knows what happens? Let's say they do pitch to Miles Straw. Then you got to know that the infield's in. The infield's going to come in for the Padres. That adds extra pressure to the pitching staff. That adds extra pressure to the guy behind the plate. There's so many things. So much more momentum is starting to occur for the Astros. But we didn't see it. We didn't see it in that scenario. I don't get it. I don't understand it. That's, That's some of the stuff that I'm like, uh, look, I know bunting is kind of a lost art in the big leagues, but every big leaguer should still be able to get a damn bunt down. So trust your guys to get the bunt down, or is it coaching philosophy? Is it, uh, is it manager philosophies? I mean, what is it? Why, why did we not do it in that situation? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's, that's a little frustrating. That's frustrating in that game. But, I mean, either way, I mean, you look down, I mean, we can, we can sit there and, and talk about that one situation. I know we said we we're going to hit on baseball IQ, but if you look down at this bullpen, that game, one, two, three, four, five walks from the bullpen. Yeah. Five walks. One walk from Jake Odorizzi and five and a third. 
So between one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bullpen arms, you had five walks. Dude, you're never going to win ballgames walking that many guys. That's the frustrating part for me. I keep it sweet, short, sweet, simple, whatever you want to call it. I break it down to the easiest way to explain it. Throw strikes. Throw fucking strikes. That's it, man. Seriously, just throw strikes. I don't. I would rather see Tatis hit the ball into oblivion on a fastball that's piped down the middle at 97 miles an hour rather than watch freaking Brooks Raley struggle to throw strikes rather than Joe Smith, one of the crafty veterans on this team, walk 18 more guys. I mean, it's it's so frustrating. Yeah, so frustrating. And, and Sunday was uh, almost almost a nightmare as well. Uh, Grinky went eight solid innings, six hits, one run, four strikeouts, uh, only one walk. And uh, we were cruising. We jumped all over Snell. We got seven runs on Snell. He only went three. Then uh, Houston's favorite son, Joe Musgrove, and uh, went five innings of no-hit ball. Um, actually, five hits of perfect ball. No one got on base against Joe when he came into relief. Uh, so Joe Musgrove has developed into a weapon, and uh, that's great to see. Uh, but uh, our guy Scrub came in, Andre Scrub, and, uh, to clean it up in the ninth. He gave up three runs um, on three hits, two strikeouts. He ended up closing, I guess, the game. We won 7-4. to four. Um, But it sucks. It sucks right now. Our bullpen sucks right now. And, and look, guys, it's, it's not a sprint. It's not as there's there's things that point and there's red flags we should be worried about. A hundred percent. Do not get me wrong, but it's only May and yeah. it's about to be June. So I can't say that anymore, but it is. Um, how do I say this? It's going to be OK. It's going to be just fine because these guys are logging a lot of innings. They're getting into their grooves they're gonna i think they've gone through their dead arm period already um there's new faces coming up the first time they faced you know thirty thousand screaming fans whether whether it be love or hate and uh it's going to be a growing experience and they'll there's gonna be bumps and bruises guys they're young they're young pups so yeah i think you gotta take you know ride the wave so to speak when it's the good, way, baby. When, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, hey, tough it out. It'll be it'll be okay. At the end of the day, it's still early in the season. Uh, like like you said, Des, there's there's names getting brought up from double A, triple A, guys coming back off of the IL, guys getting sent down to get command uh issues figured out. And then we'll just hit on uh the Astros uh welcomed in the Boston Red Sox. Uh this will end our segment. They welcome in the Boston Red Sox and Jose Arquiti dominated in his first time back uh since facing the angels like three four weeks ago and the astros took down the red sox 11 to 2 they shellacked him (laughs) man kyle tucker went off in the memorial day game for the astros so that's that's a good thing to see i saw somebody talked about i forgot who it was uh on twitter saying oh looks like we're we're watching kyle tucker grow up white right in front of our eyes he went three for five with four rbis a home run uh carlos correa had two hits jose altuve had two hits they pounded out 13 together and obviously like i said urquidy six strong only gave up three hits one walk one earned run paredes came in got three k's uh and then navaldo rodriguez navaldo rodriguez baby get your feet wet son hey welcome to the show meet 
two innings, and he pitched pretty well. Two hits, he one did give up run. A nuke. Yeah, he, he gave, gave up, up a nuke. He gave up a bomb. He gave up a bomb, but that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. The Astros won at eleven and two. Boston's in town now. Uh, Alex Cora, your guy, my Mr. guy, Mr. Apple Watch himself. Dude, I, look, I love me some Alex Cora. I, I look, Carlos Correa was talking to him up today. I love Alex Cora. Cheater or not, whatever you could try to pin it on him. Dude wins, bro. All he does is win, and he doesn't care at any means necessary. And you know what? The Red Sox protected him. Yeah, they suspended him for a year, fired him, whatever. What do they do? Bring him right fucking back. And that's the kind of guy he is. He's a win at all costs. Fucking love that guy. Alex, if you're listening, freaking love you, man. Tez loves Alex Cora. You heard it here first on Beyond the Diamond podcast. So that's going to do it for segment one. And segment two, right around the corner, Dez and I will dig into the bullpen issues. We'll talk about some of the uh, Astros players that have been sent down, some of them that have come back off of the IL. And then we'll get to your questions that you asked Apollo Dez on Twitter at Apollo Dez one under the hashtag Ask Apollo. So that's right around the corner on segment two. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Beyond the Diamond podcast here on Apollo Podcast Network. Segment two is here on Beyond the Diamond Podcast. Brian Lalima, Apollo Dez. Follow us on Twitter at BLima790, at Apollo Dez1, and of course at Apollo HOU. The Astros taking on the Red Sox. They just finished their series with the Dodgers, and they welcomed in the Padres. And right now, between those three teams, they are they are 500. They're three and three. Uh, no, excuse me. Let's see. One? Yeah, they're. Uh, are, you know, we'll just go ahead and cut that one, too. My dog, one of my dogs stepped on my phone where I had all my fucking notes. This just ain't it. Hey, Josh, you know, let's uh, let's go ahead and get a blooper reel, maybe for the All-Star break. Josh, yeah. All-Star break, blooper reel, blo- it, blooper reel, blooper reel. <laughs> God damn it. It's contagious. Look, it's going to be 90% <clears throat> me fucking up, but that's okay. So let's go ahead and get us a little blooper reel. Um, Ugh. This is three. great, Josh. So let's see. They are three and three, too. Who? I knew that. Who's three uh, and three? The Astros. No, we're three. not. Against the Dodgers? The uh, Yeah. No, they, we went one and two and one and one. That's no, I'm two saying and three. Co- no, I'm saying collectively. They, and they won against the Red Sox today. Oh, so yeah, that's yeah. Three yeah. Three. Now we're three and three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's we're what I said between those three. So I was right. Damn it. But my notes went away. So fuck it. All right, here we go. Segment two starting right now. Three, two, one. Segment two is here on a Beyond the Diamond podcast. Brian Lalima Apollo Dez. Follow us on Twitter at BLima790, at Apollo Dez1, and of course, at Apollo HOU. And Dez, let's get right into it. The Astros bullpen, they've got some issues. It's no secret. They're the punchy bag right now, like I said in segment one. You've got a couple guys that got sent down and then brought back up and then sent down again. Anoli Paredes is one of them. He was sent down because of the command issues. Brought back the very next day. Blake Taylor has come off of the IL. He is back up with the big squad. Andre Scrub sent down. Um, man, it's, it's frustrating. I, I, I want to give the listeners some hope. So how do we do that? Let's give some hope out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but how do we do that? How do we do that? Look, we they didn't can't get a question. Throw, they can't throw strikes. And I know we're going to get to the Q&A. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, hope. 
hope is a dangerous thing. Hope is is something that uh, eludes everyone in the history of of mankind. Hope left Napoleon Bonaparte on that little island. Hope left Julius Caesar with a um, stab in his back. Hope is going to leave me into despair and become the Joker, I believe, because I think this bullpen is going to figure it out. I am standing here today as a man on May 31st, 2021, that this bullpen will figure it out. And I'm saying figure out just to get middle of the pack, not elite. You have an elite guy in Ryan Presley. That is it. You have a bunch of other misfit toys and weapons that you have to concoct and put together and figure out what the fuck is going on. And yet, here on May 31st, after seeing all of this, all of the walks, all of the runs, all of the missed opportunities for the last two and a half months, everything is going to be all right. They will figure it out. That is a Des guarantee. Lock it in. Put it in your calendar. Give me a freezing cold hot take. I don't give a shit. This bullpen will figure it out when it matters the most, when the lights are the brightest in October. So when you look at the pitching staff as a whole, Lance McCullers Jr. on the 10-day IL. Josh James still on the 10-day IL. Actually, they transferred him to the 60-day 60 60 day IL. I'm going through their transactions right now. Yeah. I think Jason, it got retroactive to yes, the beginning of the season. So Yes, retroactive to, let's see, for McCullers, retroactive to May 23rd. Josh James, yeah, retroactive to the beginning. So 60 days. So he's close. Yeah. Uh, close to going out on rehab assignments, not being up on the big squad. Uh, continuing, you've got Tyler Ivey. He got his first big league start and got sent down that same night. Brian Abreu on the 10-day IL, retroactive to May 29th. Brandon Belak was optioned to AAA. You've got Anoli Paredes called back up. Nivaldo, snip, snap, snip, snap, down, yeah. up. Down up. Nivaldo Rodriguez. Obviously, we talked about him in segment one. He comes up and gets some innings against the Red Sox. Then you have Andre Scrub and Ralph Garza Jr. Both were optioned down to AAA. And then you activate Jose Urquidy and Blake Taylor. So the Astros have some injuries right now. Obviously, on the uh, offensive side, you've got Michael Brantley still out. Jason Castro still out. Uh... Uh, my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Jordan Alvarez. He's not officially on the IL, but he's had some time off. You've yeah, got, he yeah, you've, yeah. Yuli is out as well. He's not officially on the IL. They're just both taking off days. And then poor Ken Emanuel. He finally gets an opportunity to pitch. He pitches well. And it's all signs are leading to Tommy John again. It'll be his second Tommy John. And I'm not trying to spec- speculate, but he's getting a second opinion on his elbow. That's so, never good, right? No, it's never good. No, it's never good when you got to get a second opinion on your elbow. So. So signs lead to another Tommy John surgery for Ken Mm. Emanuel. I feel so bad for the kid, but there's another arm down. When it comes to the bullpen, man, I guess the positive thing is it's still early in the season, but I don't want that to be the excuse the whole time. They have got to figure it out. And I said it in segment one. It is as simple as it can get. Throw strikes. Collectively, you walk too many people as a bullpen just as a staff in general but more so to the bullpen stop walking guys 
throw strikes. Stop trying to nibble around and throw strikes. Establish your pitches as soon as you get in. The one guy that I was super pumped that the Astros got was Ryan Stanek, and he is struggling right now. He cannot find the zone. And then, you know, when you when you struggle with command and then you get in, you get behind the counts, you have to serve it up. And he's been hit a little bit. He's getting hit for home runs. Ryan Stanek's got to figure it out. Ryan Presley is pretty much your only go-to guy right now. And he's at the back end. So if you're the Astros, what do you do? You just got to continue to throw the guys out, throw the go, the, excuse me, throw the guys out there and get it figured out. Because there's nothing you can do. There's yeah. nothing else you could do. Everyone's like, oh, well, you know, James Click's got to do his job. How's he going to, he's doing his job. What, what do you want him to do? There's no money. James Click is atoning for Jeff Lunau's sins right now. And that's the sins of a very, very, very fat um, payroll. Payroll that the is payroll bloated. Is, yeah. And he, you can't do anything. What you see is what we have. And the Astros do have the luxury of going out and getting two arms for the bullpen. And that is Christian Javier and Luis Garcia. Because when Lance McCullers Jr. comes back in that rotation, unfortunately... Luis Garcia is out and, and he's not only did he go into Yankee Stadium and shut down the Yankees, he then also went toe to toe with Bauer and, and, and took down the Dodgers. This guy has it. And unfortunately, they're just forced out of the rotation right now. But those two guys are two elite arms that are in the ro- uh, rotation. They're now in your pen. That should alleviate some problems. So you can get creative in that way. But James Click is atoning for Jeff Lunau's bloated bloated payroll and uh there's nothing we can do there's no there's no prospects there's nothing in the farm what you see is what you got and i i believe i believe even if it's after the all-star break when the guys can finally you know go have a little holiday you know catch a little breather uh they will figure it out yeah they'll be be able to figure it out so here are the names that you as the listener need to trust. At times, I know it's frustrating. And, and this is the bullpen. Christian Javier, Anoli Paredes, Ryan Presley, Brooks Raley, Navaldo Rodriguez, Joe Smith, Ryan Stanick, Blake Taylor is back. Jose Arquiti obviously will probably be uh, up at the front. And then obviously Framber Valdez is back. And I, I talk about Jose and Framber. Not, they're not in the bullpen, but they're back with the club. Trust the guys. I know it's frustrating. I know it's frustrating, especially when Brooks Raley gets on the mound. The kid has thrown so many innings this year. Dude, he's pitched his dick off the last few. Like, I know he's the easy punching back, but he's pitched well. He's pitched very well the last three weeks. He got, I, I, he I, got roughed he's, up by the Padres. Yeah, but, uh, if, but that, you, if you're watching the game and not watching the box score, it was soft contact. It was, right. it was four Texas leaguers in a row. And, right. And with this new bullshit runner on second base, like, what can you do when, when three balls of the exit yeah. below 60 miles an hour end up being doubles? Like, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing that I was... That's, that's baseball. Yeah, that's what I was getting to is I was going to say he was roughed up, but he actually wasn't roughed up. He gave up back-to-back-to-back singles, but look at the exit, velo- exit velocity. You took the words right out of my mouth, which was I was leading to. He really didn't get roughed up. Yeah. And yeah, and when, and when the runner freaking starts a second, like it's a, you know, a, a damn U-triple-A slow-pitch men's softball uh, uh you know, Spring Klein or, or Collins Park 
uh, you know, round robin tournament and you get yeah. a guy to start a second in your extra innings, then yeah, a Texas leaguer, a little bloop, a little bloop single into right field is going to score, score a guy in extra innings, which is total bullshit, by the way. Yeah. But Brooks Raley, I'm trying to pull up his, uh, his innings so far. Let's see. 2021. How many games do you think he's, uh, appeared in so far? Let's take a guess. You, you want me to guess? Yeah. Or you already have it pulled up. No, I don't have it pulled up. We've played what? Uh, twenty. We twenty nine, twenty four right now. I'm not good at math. That's that's fifty three. I was gonna get there, but yeah, fifty three. <laughs> I was yeah. about to carry the one, add the two. Yeah, fifty three games. Brooks Raley's probably pitched in forty two games. So he has thrown twenty one total innings. No, oh. he has thrown. He has appeared in twenty five games. That's basically almost half. Wow. Half. I went really high, but yeah. Yeah. Well, you, but that's, but that's it what feels it like it. Yeah, it feels, it like, feels it. like it. Right. That's the whole thing. He is, he is thrown in 25 games so far this season. I'm trying to, let's look at uh, Joe Smith. He's another name that people are just dog. And, and again, look, I don't know. We got a question about Joe Smith in, in our Q&A, which we're about to get to, but let's look at his games appeared in this year. He's appeared in 20. Jesus. 20 games. So Joe Smith has pitched in five less games than Brooks Raley. Uh, let's look at uh, who else throws a lot for the Astros. Let's look at Ryan Stanek. Ryan Stanek this year for the Astros has thrown in. Well, where the hell did it go? That's why we don't do things live on on. Yeah. On air. Yeah, but that's what we do as bad boys of podcasting at Apollo HOU. Just kind 20, of- 24 games. Wow. So I just pulled up three pitchers, two other pitchers besides Brooks Raley, and Brooks Raley has thrown more games than Ryan Stanick and Joe Smith. Brooks Raley has tossed a ton of innings. I know he's not dominating like, like people are going to expect or, or think that he's going to do, but he's a left-handed specialist. Let's be real here. In a perfect bullpen situation, you bring in Brooks Raley to face lefty-lefty, get a ground ball. Hey, tap him on the ass. Nice job, son. Go get you a cold Gatorade. Yeah. See and that's it. Meet. But yeah. instead, he's been used like a bridge guy. He's been used like your, your extended I, inning guy. Again, if you look at it, Brooks Raley throws strikes. Hey, Maybe, I'll take it. Look, we, we talked about it. We, I mean, we're like, hey, we want a guy that throws strikes. Brooks Raley's the only one throws strikes. Yeah, it gets hit, but he's not walking people. Brooks ain't walking people. He's not. That's so, the biggest thing about the bullpen so far is the straw, or is, excuse me, is the walks. It's the walks. Yeah. They have walked so much. But let's get uh, let's get right into the uh, Q and A, Des. Let's right. uh, let's hear what yeah. the listeners wanna wanna ask us. We have a a few a few amount of questions. Uh, thank you for everyone that got those in. Uh, we we try to do this, you know, once once every two weeks uh, to get some questions coming in and, and just chat around with you guys. Our, our first one is from uh, at the Astros locker who we met him and his wife in uh, Colorado and had a great time hanging out with them. A uh, friend of the program, uh, our friend, uh, he has no question, but a challenge. Give me some hope about this bullpen. Uh, yeah, we just went on a, a rant. Uh, I talked about hope and despair and Napoleon and Caesar and myself and the Joker, I don't know where I was going with that tangent. I just let that sentence run. 
And um, I be- firmly believe by the All-Star break, having that little holiday, having the guys catch a breather because they're probably running around with their heads cut off at this point. Um, I think I think we'll be just fine. So for hope, um, yeah, what Des said. <laughs> for for when, it, when it comes to, when it comes to hope, you know it, it's it's still early in the season. You've got guys that are not used to throwing in this type of environment. They're still young. Ryan Presley has looked good. Um, that is hope alone at the back end, especially if you can have your starter go eight innings like Zach Grinke did um, against the Padres. Then you just have to toss it over to Ryan Presley. So there's a silver lining in the bullpen. I, I just think the hope is that it's early and, th- and they're going to have to get get it figured out. At the end of the day, the pitching coach is still Brent Strom. So the yeah. Astros are in good hands. So there's your hope. Uh, this is one from our young Jacob. Young Jacob at Apollo HOU. Jake is one of our best creative minds. He's one of the best editors. Uh, to see Jacob's growth over the last um, 15 months uh, from a shy kid to someone that gives me shit all the time has been great to see. Um, he so gives Jake, you shit, huh? Does yeah, he? Jacob, oh. Jake gives me shit. I love it. Uh, but when he when Jake first came on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get to Jake's question, but this is about uh touting jacob right now uh shy kid didn't really say much uh to see his growth and his confidence uh continue every single day uh is truly special to see and uh, it's just something that is something really cool to see when you're when your name's on the door essentially um to see all the other people that believe in uh one's vision and one's ideas to go all in with you and that's what Jake's done. And to see that growth is truly special. So, Jake, I'll get to your question, but I just want to say thank you to you, sir. Yeah, uh, before before we get to his question, yeah, the, the interactions I've had with Jake are are uh, uh, not, you know, he gives me a lot of shit. Let's, I'm just <laughs> trying to find the perfect way to say it, but uh, he gives me a lot of shit about being old. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to take this time to congratulate him. I'm not going to take this time <laughs> to... Tell him that he's doing a great job, especially with his wallpaper Wednesdays. Yeah. I'm not going to take the time to say, man, the videos that you get out on our main page at Apollo HOU, hit that follow button. I'm not going to tell him that he's doing a good job. It ain't happening. Yeah, so, quit happening here. so quit asking. Oh, man. Maybe, yes. maybe some way down the road, but not maybe right down now. The road. Uh, Jake asked, how surprised were y'all to see Brian fucking Abreu strike out infamous Astro killer Albert Pujols in the second game of the Dodger series? Hashtag ask Apollo. Yeah. Truly surprising. I was 100%. If someone would have told me, uh, hey, put all your life savings on a home run or a strikeout right here, I would have gone all in on a home run. Uh, but Brian Abreu, the little cement mixer, backed up on him and uh, fooled Albert Pools and somehow got the save. I'm not answering Jacob's question. <laughs> not doing it. As long as Grant, Drew, or Jake ask me anything on ask, hashtag AskApollo, I'm not answering. Hey. I'm not doing it. I get it. it. The young, not happening. Hey, all the listeners right now, there's a coup every single day with the young guys at Apollo um, bashing the older folks. And, no, no, no. Uh, it's not even the older folks. Don't lie to the listeners. Okay, bashing, it's just me. Bashing just Brian. When there's like three or four other guys in our group that are like three, four years older than me. Look, hey. I'll take Look, I'll take it on, okay? I'll take it on. That's fine. Look, old man. Hey, old Crazy. man Rivers. I'm right here. I'm. I'm that's fine. 
Um, I'll take it on, but I'm not answering their questions. Next question. The next question is from at Roosh Williams. Roosh. Big Roosh. Big Roosh. Love Roosh. Puts out amazing NBA content. I love love Ride or dies for the city. Love the stuff Um, he tweets out. Yeah, if you haven't, at Roosh Williams, give him a follow. Uh, Blue checkmark gang. He asked, what do we do with Joe Smith? Uh, Great question, Roosh. Um, I don't know. I've been super critical of Joe. Uh, obviously, he didn't have a great start of the season. He's kind of starting getting into form, but it 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 looks like Dusty's just going to keep charting him out, and Stromy's going to keep calling his number. And I just think we got to keep holding our breath. And it's it's frustrating to see because when he's on, he's on, and I just he's not in that form right now, and it's and it sucks because it's it's compounding on on top of uh, the bad bullpen of what we're having and. Uh, I think there's a lot of things, and we 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 heard it with our Andre Scrub interview of how much veteran leadership he's doing behind the scenes with the young guys, and I think that's um, you can't quantitate that data. Uh, you, you can look at his ERA, you can look at the walks, you can look at the runs scored against him, uh, but the leadership on the back end in the bullpen with all these young arms going up and down from Sugarland to um, to Houston every other week it seems like, or every other day really, I think that quantifies a lot. So. Um, I think just hold your breath. Just hold your breath. Yeah, when it comes to Joe Smith, I, I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, Joe Smith and Brooks Rayleigh specifically. I'll start with Joe Smith. At one point when he was pitching for the Astros, he was very, very effective in the correct situation. What we've seen this year from Joe Smith, he's he's the usage is up. Obviously, we talked about it a couple minutes ago. He's pitched in 20 games so far this season. Brooks Raley is the same way. Lefty specialist. I think when the Astros do figure it out in the bullpen and you establish a firm uh, bullpen rotation, so to speak, who's your sixth inning or seventh inning guy? Who's your eighth inning? Obviously, Ryan Presley in the ninth. That's when Joe Smith can be used effectively, and that's when he can pitch well. He's a submarine guy that induces a lot of ground balls when he's on. So if you can get your other pieces, the other pieces of the bullpen established, that's when you use Joe Smith very effectively. When you need a double play and it's righty on righty, you go to Joe Smith. Okay, you go to him and and in a perfect world and in a good outing from Joe Smith, you get the soft contact, you run balls in on the hands and you turn double plays righty on righty and you get out of the inning. Same thing, tap him on the ass, get the ball from him, have a cold Gatorade, we'll see in the showers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think looking... with I think with Joe Smith, look, he's a veteran. He's been in the league uh for a long time. He's pitched very well for the Astros. Just so far, what we've seen is not really Joe Smith. This isn't what we're used to or what I, I have seen out of Joe Smith. This isn't him. So obviously there might be tweaks that need to be ha- that uh, that need to be had for him, but I think when you use him in the correct setting, that's where you see the best Joe Smith. So it's on everybody, obviously, to to get the bullpen in, in the correct shape. Um, but for Joe Smith specifically, just because of the question that was asked, I think as long as you get the other pieces around him firmed up, then you can get the best out of Joe Smith. Yeah, he had a string of about four innings without giving up a run, and then the last two, it, it, you know, appearances, he's given up three runs uh, in that Dodger and Padres series combined. Uh, I'm looking at his his stat cast information. I'm looking at everything on on Baseball Savant right now, and it's 
it's it's not great. I mean, he his average exit velo and hard hit percentage is is actually top tier for a reliever right now. It's just everything else is is just bad. His his woba, his K percentage, his XBA, his XERA, his X slugging. Um, let's not he, forget. Let's not forget that he also sat out last year. Yeah, now, and I, look, I know it's. I know we are almost in June. Obviously, June is is right or literally like in, in a day tomorrow, or so. Yeah, yeah. tomorrow. So I know that that we're well past the point of oh that was last year you know but he didn't he didn't pitch he, he lost didn't play. a parent he lost a parent he didn't play that that's tough and then you come out and you just you don't have success the way you think you have success that you usually do um it, I'm hurting for Joe I yeah. I really am and and I I hope he rounds into form I don't think he's being DFA I don't think he's being really none of that stuff he's he's here he's a veteran. What what Scrub talked about in his interview and off air with us, uh, what Joe Smith does behind the scenes doesn't equate to Astros Twitter, right? Like we don't see that, and it's our job, me and Brian's job, to get that information and uh, quantify that in a way and give um, a breakdown to you guys, everyone listening, that Joe's doing stuff behind the scenes that people don't yeah. realize and. Yep. Uh, it's a lot like McCann. It's a lot like Beltran. It's a lot like a lot of the guys we've had in the past that have have come here and just been a vet. And if that's what Joe Smith is at the end of the year, you know what? I tip my cap, Joe. Uh, you you know you hung in there. You did what you could do. And uh, if it you know it helps one rookie, then thank you. Yeah, exactly. Especially with how many young guys are are on this team. So exactly. Uh, the last question, this is from at George Williams 2. He asked, why does Correa bat so low in the lineup? Will he move up? Um, yeah, Jordan, good question. Um, it's it's tough. It's tough when you have a, a Correa that is capable of, of taking over games and series batting in the six hole, right? And we saw it time and time again, but also catch 22. There's there's six other guys that are, you know, all stars and superstars in front of them. So someone's got to be in that six hole. And um, I think I think we've seen it when guys are in and out and injured. Um, Dusty's been able to move them up, which I'm happy about because last year uh, when Carlos Correa was the hottest hitter on the planet in October, he was still down there and I would have had him up in the two, three hole. And uh, he didn't do that last year. But this year I've, I've seen him move up and down the lineup, especially all these guys coming in and out uh, off the IL and um I don't know, but I do know this Carlos Correa is going to have a big June because um, his swing looks on plane, on point right now, smooth, not so clunky as it was earlier. When Carlos Correa is extending on fastballs into that power alley into right center, uh, that means he's on, and we saw that over the last week, and that was with some bombs that way, some oppo tacos, if you will, and um, I think Carlos Correa is going to have a really, really big June. Yeah, the bat path is is what I noticed the most. It's so smooth through the zone. Uh, when it when it comes to Carlos Correa, and you look at this lineup, when everyone's healthy, you've got Altuve, you've got Michael Brantley, you've got Alex Bregman, you've got Jordan, you've got Kyle Tucker, uh, Jose, uh, uh what's his name, uh, Yuli, and then you've got Carlos Correa. Correa at some point could even hit in the seven hole. You could put Yuli ahead of Carlos Correa if you want it. Yeah, and I'm okay with it. If you've got Carlos Correa in the seven hole because Yuli's hitting, uh, Yuli's on fire and you've got Kyle Tucker swinging it well, you've got Michael Brantley doing what Michael Brantley does. Obviously, Bregman, Jordan, the other guys, 
uh, Altuve and the rest of the gang. I'm fine with it. I don't mind Carlos Correa hitting lower in the lineup. It's fine with me. If that's where he's going to be the rest of the year, keep him there. I don't care. I don't want him to see him move up. Could you imagine having Carlos Correa? Imagine a pitching, uh, an opposing pitcher coming in to face that gauntlet of a, a one through seven, and Carlos Correa is your seven hole. You're like, okay, finally, I get to the bottom tier of the lineup. Oh, shit. I got to lead off against Carlos Correa yeah. when he's swinging it well. That sucks. This lineup, there. this lineup is so filthy and has so many superstars and has so many all-stars. And where are the outs? Exactly. Like Keep when them you, there. When you're an opposing team, you look at where are the outs. And it's tough when these guys are on. So um, I, I don't mind Carlos down where he is. But when he's hot, I, I say move him up. Or when people are coming in and out, move him up. I don't want to see... Like I could, I can see the argument why is Carlos Correa not in the two hole over, you know, and Chas McCormick is, but you know, it's dusty for you. Yeah, I say keep so. him, keep him there. That was if the uh, that was the last question for the Ask Apollo segment. Okay, well that's gonna do it then. All right, man, check that out. Boom, we Top. have what? By the time this comes out, we have three more games in Boston, and then we're on the road. Yep. So. You've got three left against Boston. You've got two night games and then a day game on Thursday. So you've got Garcia, Valdez, Odorizzi, and then the Astros take off on the road to take on Toronto. Is Toronto up in Buffalo yet, or are they still playing down at their spring training? In our favorite state, Florida. Yeah, I love Florida. Love Florida. Uh, Yep, so then they'll travel to Florida to take on the Blue Jays. That's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then you travel up to Boston Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, later on down the road, and then you've got the Twins, then you've got the Rangers, and then the White Sox come to town. So it's a uh, the next couple weeks are going to be tough sledding for the Astros. For sure. Uh, but next up after the Red Sox is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays, and the pitching lineup, uh, pitching rotation is set up pretty nice for the Astros in Grinky, Urquidy, and Garcia set Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, down in Florida. So okay, it's not gonna be uh, not gonna be too bad. Hey, 500 ball. That's it. Old serve, 500 ball. Just get out of this stretch in the schedule, 500 or better, and the Astros will be just fine. That's going to do it for segment two, Des. It's time flies when you're having fun, my man. Amen. Okay. So uh, you got anything else before we sign off? No, just uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate the love. Thank you for all the support. We will continue to be the marketplace and creating the marketplace. And uh, love you guys. Yeah, I hope everyone has had a nice, fun, relaxing Memorial Day weekend. Again, thank you to all of our military members, the men and women that protect our country, that have served, will serve, that have fallen. Thank you again on this Memorial Day edition of Beyond the Diamond podcast. That's going to do it. Uh, When we come back next edition, we will wrap up the Red Sox series and we will preview the Toronto series. So keep listening, keep supporting. Follow us on Twitter at blima790 at Apollo Des One, and of course check out all of all of our social media at Apollo H O U for Apollo Des. I am Brian Lalima. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network.